Like if you could snap your finger and this thing happened, what would you hope for? What would you wish for? What would you want? I asked a couple of my friends this question, and it's likely that their answers are similar to yours. One of my friends, he answered money, money. And don't feel guilty if you're here and yours was money, because money is not a bad thing, right? It can solve a lot of problems. It can save a lot of time. It can be generously handed out. It can help people. So maybe yours is money. If you could snap your finger, maybe one of my friends said he would like to be married. Yes, I still have single friends, and at this point, he's like, I really would like to be in a committed relationship. Others of my friends said they would like their marriage to be stronger. Maybe that's yours. Maybe, and this is a common one, maybe you can resonate with this one, happiness. Just happiness. We all desire to be happy, don't we? We all desire it. And man, it would change so much in our day-to-day if we could just be happy. What I found, though, is that oftentimes our happiness is dependent on our happenings. So these things, money, relationships, happiness, all good things to wish for, but not what you really want. Remember when the angels announced the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2? Remember what they said. They said, glory to God in the highest. There it is. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom he is pleased. That word peace, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. It's an interesting word. You know, Jesus used that word in the coming and going of people. He would say something like, peace be with you. Or if something happened, oftentimes something traumatic, he would say, now go in peace. Even the Apostle Paul used this in the opening of his letters. He said grace and grace and peace. Grace and peace. It's a fun exercise to think of all the other things G, or Paul could have written in there instead of peace. He could have said grace and popularity because a lot of us want that, don't we? He could have said grace and power. Grace and riches. Grace and TikTok fame. But he didn't. He didn't say any of that. He said grace and peace. Grace and peace. I would submit to you that what so many people want, what they really want in life, and they may not even know that they want it, is peace. Real peace. A peace that doesn't come from this world. In fact, the world wouldn't even understand this kind of peace. It's a peace that has to come from somewhere else a divine kind of peace, a peace that can only come from God. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but you can have all the money in the bank and have no peace in your heart. Some of you might be familiar with that. That you could be completely successful on the outside, but be an empty shell on the inside. That you could be married and have no peace at home. And please don't nod your head or say amen, or else you won't have peace at home. I would argue that what a lot of people want, and they don't even know that they want, is real peace that comes from God. But what so many of us, we often don't, we want peace, but we often have the exact opposite of it. We have tension. We're afraid. We're anxious. Like, let's just take a sliver of our experience of life. Your relationships, 
your family, your friends. We're about to holiday season. Hopefully you'll be gathering with some of your friends and family, maybe around a table, around a Christmas tree, around a backyard. And what do you want in those interactions, in those relationships? You want peace, right? You want harmony. But what might you find instead? Bitterness, misunderstandings, disagreements, hurt feelings, tension, unforgiveness. I would submit to you that what so many people really want and really need is peace, which begs the question, and maybe you found yourself asking this question sometime over the past couple years. Maybe you're asking this question this morning, is peace even possible? is, Is it even possible in the year 2022, looking ahead, is peace possible for my life and my circumstances? And I want to show you, using God's word, that it is, that it is possible. And I want to invite you to pray with me about that as we get started. God, thank you for the space that we have to sing, and man, what glorious singing it was. A moment that we can talk to you, always available, but God, with your people gathered in a room together, it is that much more enriching. And God, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds this morning as we dive into your word your promises, your truth, and discover what it means to have peace in a broken world. To you be the glory, our Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to show you something in Isaiah 26. Now, before I dive, or before we dive headfirst in there, I want to set the table a little bit with the context of this chapter. So God's people written about through these, through these pages. God's people at this part in the story, they are in a stage of fear and unsettledness. Tracy talked a little bit about this last week, and we're diving back into Isaiah. They are living as a conquered people, basically in their own land, in their own hometown, and they are slaves. They can't do what they want. And piercing through that overwhelming atmosphere of defeat is one of the conquered. His name is Isaiah. And he is trying to defeat this overwhelming atmosphere with a message of hope, which is what we talked about last week, and peace, which we're going to look at today. Isaiah actually talks about a day that is coming of unbridled worship. I want you to just sit and think about that for a moment a people who are living with tension and fear. They're anxious in their heart. The unknown of the future looms heavy over their lives. Man, doesn't that sound familiar? And piercing through that darkness is this message of a time that is coming when worship of God is going to be unable to control and contain. He talks about it this way, actually. Isaiah chapter 26, starting in verse 1. You can read it up on the screen. You can, I encourage you to read it in your own Bible. In that day, the day that is coming, Isaiah says, everybody in the land of Judah is going to sing this song. What song are they going to sing? This one. Our city is strong. It's not now, but this is what we'll sing one day. We are surrounded by not our enemies, but the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous and allow the faithful to enter. Beautiful imagery. 
And then check out verse 3. You, God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is your eternal rock. Now, I highlighted a piece here. I love that promise. I need, I need that promise right there to be kept in perfect peace. Because I don't know about you, but I am far more familiar with imperfect peace, with inconsistent peace, with sporadic peace, a peace that lasts for a moment, maybe a day, maybe I can stretch it out a week or a month, maybe even a season, but it quickly falls out of my grasp right? And I know this is just a me thing, but some days, like, I'll wake up, and I got this. I got life figured out. I'm trusting God with everything, but then by the end of the day, I'm crying out, God, where are you in my life? Where is the certainty that I felt like I had just moments ago? Where's the peace? Like, almost in an instant, the tranquility, the peace that I felt, it shifts into a gut-wrenching feeling of anxiety, of shame, and of insecurity. No, I am far more familiar with inconsistent peace, with imperfect peace. And yet, look what God promises right here. It's a promise of perfect peace. Perfect peace. What, what does that even mean, perfect peace? How do I even obtain something like that? So in the Old Testament, there is a deep word used among Hebrew speakers. You likely are familiar with the word. It's the word shalom. A basic definition of this is peace. Um, Hebrew speakers, especially during uh, the time of the Bible, they would have used this as a greeting. Shalom, shalom to you. I actually looked it up, and the reason that kind of caught on, it was a, um, like a sign that you weren't going to be hostile with each other. So like, you would approach someone and be like, shalom? shalom? Yeah, shalom. Okay, we're good. Like, we're at peace with each other. And then it just kind of turned into a phrase that was used, kind of like how we use bless you when someone sneezes, and we don't really know why we say it. We just say it. So shalom means peace, right? But looking at a more in-depth definition of what the actual word shalom means, it means wholeness, completeness, a fullness of peace. It's a perfect kind of peace. It's a peace with God and my relationship with the divine. We're talking about a peace with other people, my relationships and my community. It's a peace with myself, my inner thoughts. It's a peace with my circumstances, no matter how good or bad they may be at any moment. Now, here's what's interesting about this word shalom in Isaiah 26, and I'm just going to read it to you exactly how the Hebrew says it. You will be kept in shalom, shalom. The word shalom is actually, it's not a typo, it's actually stated in the actual Hebrew two times. It's an emphatic statement in Hebrew that is highlighting, it's giving you an abundance. So essentially, God is saying, I will give you peace, the peace that you're seeking, the peace that you want, and then I'm going to load on top of you a peace that you didn't even know you needed. It's perfect peace. It's a peace that even transcends my understanding of what I need whenever I ask for peace. 
Now, I want to be very clear with all of us this morning right here at the beginning. Peace, even peace from God, does not mean that you will not experience trouble. That's not what peace means. No, problems are going to arise, even if you have perfect peace. Perfect peace doesn't mean that your dryer isn't going to go out. Having perfect peace doesn't mean your car isn't going to break down at the most inconvenient moment. It doesn't mean that your kids are going to stop talking back to you, that your spouse is going to stop nagging you for putting up the dishes in the wrong place, and you're like, at least I put them up, like I'm trying here. Like, peace doesn't mean that you're going to be cancer-free. No, no, no. Jesus was very, very clear in John chapter 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, the one that you live in, the one that I live in, the one that we're breathing in, in this world, while you're in it, you're going to have trouble. That's a guarantee. So we got to think through that a little bit. Peace, then, isn't found in the absence of problems. That's not where we find peace. Peace is found in the presence, in the proximity of God. In the proximity of God. So when the Bible talks about shalom, when it talks about peace, it's referring to a peace that can only be found in God. It's kind of like the warmth from a space heater that you pull out whenever we hit the frigid temperatures of 55 degrees. And you're bundled up in your... (laughs) I see Tracy here. You're bundled up in your bed and you got your space heater on. You turn it on and it is warm. It's warm. I guarantee. Now, let me ask all my folks in the back row. You sat back there so I wouldn't talk to you. Can you feel my space heater? Can you feel it? No, it's likely not even you in the front row can feel my space heater, but I can't. Just because you can't feel my space heater does not mean that it's off. It doesn't mean it's off. The peace of God that we so desperately desire comes with proximity to God. Now, I can hear some of you pushing back on me. I can see it in your faces, in your postures, and you're thinking, yeah, 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 Peyton, you and your perfect wife, and your perfect life, and your perfect little baby, I agree with that last one, blah, 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 (laughs) and you're thinking, my marriage, it sucks right now. Where's the peace in that? You're thinking, my body is a wreck right now. It's failing me. Where's the peace in that? Like, I'm struggling financially. Christmas list is here. Bills are stacking up. Where's the peace in that? My kids are experimenting with drugs. There's pornography in my household. Where's the peace in that? I'm scared to death, and for good reason, because death is just around the corner for me. Where's the peace in that? Like, let's just put the promise of God to the side, and let's just talk about this peace thing. How am I supposed to obtain peace? Not even perfect peace, just peace with my circumstances. Where do I get shalom, shalom of God? And I want to show you in Scripture how you can experience that kind of peace. See, we need to understand that the battle of peace, the battle for it, the fighting for it, It begins in our mind. That there's a war in your mind. How many of you feel like there's a war in your mind? Okay, my honest folks, thank you, right? Yeah, you, here's the thing. We have a war, we believe all kinds of untruths. Have you ever thought about that? All the things that you have believed as truth 
until actual truth was revealed to you. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'll just make a slight little adjustment, and now I believe truth again. But for so long, we will believe untruths, or even worse, we will know what is true, but we'll believe the opposite of it. We don't think God's promises are for us, right? And so we'll just push that idea away and we'll just try to figure it out on our own. It's a war of the mind. And I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about exactly what we just read in Isaiah chapter 3, 20, sorry, Isaiah 26, verse 3. And maybe you missed it. So what I did is I actually put same verse, two translations up here. It's a great way to study your Bible. Multiple translations, gives you a fuller idea. Check this out. Verse 3. We've already read it. The NLT says, you will keep in perfect peace, okay, how? All whose thoughts, whose thoughts are fixed on you, God. Or the, the NIV says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds, those whose minds are steadfast on you. Now, notice what Isaiah does not say. Let's start there. What does he not say? He does not say, you will receive perfect peace, those whose minds are fixed on CNN. Sorry, wrong crowd. Those whose minds are fixed on Fox News, right? You won't find perfect peace. You won't find perfect peace if your mind is fixed on the future and what's to come and not to come. You will not find perfect peace if your mind is fixed on your financial problems or the bad news that you recently got from the doctor. Now, I want to show you one more word here, that word fixed. I don't normally teach you two ancient words in one lesson, but this is an equally good one, right? So the word fixed, to fix your mind on something, the Hebrew word there is samach, samach. And the definition means to lean completely and fully on something. And this is an extremely practical word if you've ever been a parent. Because whenever I'm holding my son Arlo... I know whenever he falls asleep. How do I know? Because I can feel the weight of him fully lean into me. He's fully resting on me. It's 100% him on my chest. Samak means to lean fully into something. So let's put all of these pieces together from this one verse. You will be kept in perfect peace, in shalom, shalom, when your mind is leaning 100% on God. Perfect peace happens when your thoughts are resting on God's unfailing promises, and you won't receive it any other way. So my question, what is your mind fixed on? What are you actually fixed on? Is your mind fixed on that cute girl that you worked out next to at the gym? And that's what you're thinking about. Is your mind fixed on this morning, your Christmas list? Not just what you're getting, but what you're giving, right? Oh, well, it's a season of giving, but I want to make sure all the kids get something, all the grandkids get something, everybody's happy because when they get stuff, they're happy and we'll have a happy get-together. Is that what your mind is fixed on? It's Sunday. So is your mind fixed on your fantasy football team? Is that what your mind is fixed on right now? Mm, it's a bye week, my, my quarterback is a good matchup, is that guy going to come off the IR in time? Is that what your mind is fixed on? What consumes your mind? Whenever you find yourself drifting, where does your mind go to? What do you focus on? Are you focused on your financial worries? 
some political issue or division. Omicron fears, this new variant, what's going wrong in your life, what could go wrong in your life, what you don't like, what you're dreading, something your friend said to you, something you saw whilst the endless scroll on social media, what is your mind fixed on? How about this one? Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about those things, the things that are excellent, that are worthy of praise. And then what? Look what, look what it says. And then the God of peace will be with you. You want to know what I hear in this verse and Isaiah 26? I hear that my God, our God, is good. That's what I hear. His promises are true. His word, it never fails us. That he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. When I'm lost, he's my guide. When I'm weak, he's my strength. When I'm hurting, he is my comforter. That nothing can separate me from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. That's what I read. And this kind of peace, it's not going to make sense to those who are outside of Jesus. Like, it just won't. Like, so if you're here this morning and you haven't accepted Jesus into your life, if you're not walking as one of his disciples, you probably think that I'm blowing hot air right now. But I'm not. I promise you I'm not. It's a peace that only comes with proximity to God. That's why Jesus can say something like, peace I leave with you, my peace, my peace I'm giving you, I'm not giving you the world's peace. I'm not giving you the type of peace that the world gives. I'm not giving you a type of peace. Jesus says, I'm giving you my peace. My peace, it's mine. So that it's a peace that can be found in the absence of my problems. Peace that can't be found in the absence of my problems. There it is. It's a peace that can't be found in the absence of my problems. It's a peace that's found with my proximity to the Father. There's this powerful story in the New Testament. The disciples, they're out on a boat, and a huge storm blows over. I mean, a huge storm. The wave is rocking over the boat, and they're literally thinking, I'm going to die. This is it. And the irony of the moment is they're thinking, we're going to die on a boat as fishermen, and our Savior is in the boat with us. And if you've never heard the story, Jesus is there, only he's not too worried about the storm, is he? No, because he's sleeping. There's a huge storm, and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And the disciples are wondering, what's going to happen next? And here's what I love about the story. There's actually two storms that day. Two storms. There's a storm that's visible to the eyes. Lightning and thunder and waves and crashing sounds. Right? The visible storm. But there's a second storm, too. That storm that's not on the outside, but a storm that's on the inside. And I don't know how it is for you, but so many times, the storm on the inside, is far harder to manage than the storm on the outside. Like, I can, I can look like I have my life together, but on the inside, I'm consumed with fear and anxiety and doubt and worry. You know, I think it's because the storm on the inside that the disciples cried out, like, Jesus, do you even care? Do you see me in my pain? Will you not do something to save me from this? And I love Jesus' response. It's it's the total Jesus response. He's totally calm. 
He wakes up. I imagine he does one of those, oh, the nice big stretches. And then with the power of God, he says, peace be still. And I don't think he was just talking about the storm on the outside, do you? You can't speak what you don't have. Jesus, who is peace, gives you his peace. And you can be kept in perfect peace when your mind is fixed on him. Now, can I be dead honest with you today? I know the truth of this. I believe the truth of this. But I haven't always experienced perfect peace in my life. I've already told you, I, oftentimes it's sporadic peace. It's inconsistent peace. But this year, most recently, I have found that God's word on this issue of peace is absolutely and completely true. That perfect peace, it really is available to us. Even amidst the most difficult circumstances you can find yourself, perfect peace is available. You see, praising God is easy when things are good. It's easy. But I don't think that's real, genuine praise, do you? Like, a tested faith is a trusted faith. Real praise happens in the middle of the storm. Like, that's the kind of praise that the devil hates. That's the kind of praise that makes demons flee. That's the kind of praise that shakes the world. It's why Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving in your heart, what? Present your request to God and check this out. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, the world's not going to understand it. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's the peace of God. It's not the world's peace. It's a peace that comes from a divine place, a peace that was born in a manger. The world doesn't understand it, and the world doesn't provide it. But here's the amazing thing. Because the world doesn't give it, the world can't take it away. It tried on the cross, but the peace transcends. It's peace that isn't found in the absence of our problems. It's a peace that's found in proximity to God. And that's the peace that I hope you have this season. One last question that we haven't answered, and Mackenzie, if you want to start heading back, I think you're going to have some help. Um, one question I haven't asked or answered yet is how do we have, how do we obtain this level of peace? You know, we talked about getting close to Jesus, but what does that mean? What does that look like? Like, if I know peace happens with proximity to God, how do I make those steps to get closer to him? Well, one of the very first steps that a person can make is by submitting their life to Jesus and doing it in a public way of saying, I am mine no more. I am completely and utterly his. I'm submitting my life to him. And that's exactly what Mackenzie Williams is about to do. She's going to be clothed with the life of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus through the waters of baptism. 
You know, baptism is one of the very few things that Jesus not only taught about, not only commanded to go and do, but did himself. It's a powerful, ancient ritual of completely dying to self and being raised anew. And it's the very first step that a person can make as they walk closer to the peace and all of the other great things that they have access to in the person of Jesus.